in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And just like that, the Watching Comics Podcast is back. Jake, we are here, and we are going to be going to the well that keeps on giving the Disney content machine. Are you tired of it yet? I don't know that I'm going to get tired of it. I just don't know. Yeah, I think I'm pretty okay. I'm ready to go. Okay, cool. Rock on. Glad we had this chat. So welcome yeah. to the Watching Comics Podcast. If this is your first time visiting us and listening to our lovely soothing voices, thank you and welcome. You are, you are welcome here. If this is not your first time listening to us, you're still welcome here too, and we appreciate you coming back. My name is Mitch. My co-host's name is Jake, and we are here to give you the most pertinent opinions on the intersection of comic books hitting your large and small screens. Of course, we are here, courtesy of the Geek Dad Podcast Network, shout out. Jake, tonight specifically, we are dishing on Disney Plus and what Marvel Studios has announced, because holy crap, do they have a lot of projects going on? And I don't know, I mean, Disney's clearly not going to be getting bored anytime soon, because they're currently in the process of trying to purchase the entire world. Disney Plus, Marvel lineup, what are your initial takes of all the stuff that has been announced? My initial take is that this is a really cool, I think that they're viewing this the right way, or at least my right way, where I think they're looking at it as a cool place to put. <laughs> a very important thing to note, that this is my right way. Right. This is a if cool I, place to put some different projects. If um, I were Kevin Feige, this is what I'd be doing. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a good, I think that, you know, what if is a really cool concept from comic book history that I don't know that I would have ever wanted to go see a what if film, but thrown on there is something I can watch when I've got nothing else to do. That's a cool project. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. It uh, might be a great thing for, you know, me to watch while I'm falling asleep every night and just watch the first 10 minutes of every episode. I'm down with that. That, that serves a purpose. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. And I mean, that's kind of the film equivalent of the what if comics. They're a cool little sign. There are a couple things on here that, on the one hand, I had hoped to see as a film just because of the prestige that a film carries. But on the other hand, I'm excited to see expanded with the sort of character development and richer plot that we can get out of a TV show in 2019 and beyond. So um, there's a lot to dig into here. I'm looking at eight things on my list. Are you? I eight. I didn't officially count, but eight sounds fun. Yeah. So, I oh man, I forgot. Before we go any further, I have to tell you, Jake, you carry great weight in my life. And after last week's episode, I got my hands on volume one of Southern Bastards. Oh, I saw that on Twitter that you got that. What do you think? Have you read it yet? Um, I, I I've just read a, a a little bit. I haven't completely dove in yet, but so far I am really hooked. I love it. I'm I'm excited. It's probably going to be a similar thing to what I did with Nailbiter, which is I got to it late, so I just bought a couple of trades to try to figure out if I liked it and get see what all the hubbub was about, and then just get completely invested and buy everything so I can read binge it in, in a really fast manner. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I've. I hope you continue to enjoy it. I know that uh, I'm a big fan, 
And, you know, obviously that's why I threw it on there last week. And, man, I'm glad. I'm glad that that's working out for you so far. Yeah, we've, we've come full circle, Jake. You're no slouch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to try something new here. We're going to go PTI style. So, uh, Jake, I have a timer here, and we're going to set it for five minutes, and we are going to hit – three, maybe four of the shows that we most want to talk about that are hitting Disney Plus, because there's a lot of stuff going on, which naturally means we have a lot of thoughts, and we want to try to condense this down into something that's a little bit more manageable, because really, with everything that's been announced for a lot of these shows, there's just a whole lot of waiting left, because fall of 2020 is when the first show is going to start, and some of these shows that have been announced aren't even hitting until 2022. So we got time, but of course, we can also have takes. So Jake... I'm going to let you go ahead and pick first. What show do you want to dish on for the first five-minute run? Okay, I want to get weird with it right out the box. Let's talk about WandaVision. Oh, man. All good conversations start with, I want to get weird with it right out the box. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we should put that on the pogs that we make. That is exactly... <laughs> Watching comics, we get weird with you right out of the box. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that the other day, actually. I like the idea of having some exclusive watching comics pogs. We we really may need to have that happen for, like, the Christmas season or something. Have I talked to you about I've priced them before? No. Dude. Yeah, okay. Well, there's a conversation to have in our production meeting because I, I've gone so far as to price this concept, and it's more terrifyingly affordable than you might think. Ah, wonderful. See, God bless the <laughs> internet in the year of our Lord, 2019. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. WandaVision. Are you ready Jake, with your timer? I'm going to start the timer, and I want you to get weird with me. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Time starts now. So when this was first announced, I jokingly put out on Twitter that while I hope every project involving every comic book property is awesome, I also would kind of love it if WandaVision ended up being a crappy sitcom where <laughs> Scarlet Witch and the Vision raised two street smart kids uh, that they adopted. And that kind of half came true. So, so it's like it's kind of like Hellboy 2, but instead of cats, they have kids. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, so it's weird because it, it's like I'm so intrigued by this. And they've done such a good job of telling us just enough that we know nothing but expect everything. Um, Scarlet Witch, or Wanda, as we call her in the movies, I don't think she's ever been called Scarlet Witch, Wanda has got this history of sort of messing with reality when she's in a time of crisis and trauma, and the death of Vision in the movies leaves the door open for her to, I assume, have created this alternate reality that she's living in where Vision is alive and they're kind of living this idyllic, Picket fence, leave it to Beaver life with a nosy neighbor and everything screaming Abner. Um, they're going to have to. They're going to have to because that's the that's the like in a lot of ways with comic book watchables. Like sometimes you're like, well, continuity's out the window because it's comic books. But Marvel actually cares about that stuff and connecting storylines and making things make sense. And so. To me, that's one of the only options that they have, right? Because they, there certainly wasn't time in between Avengers movies for them to to explore this um, home improvement lifestyle. So my big question for WandaVision is, who plays Wilson and will we ever see his whole face? 
Um, you know, if I think that if there's any justice in the world, we'll get kind of a CGI Stan Lee, right? Mm. That will peek his Stan Lee eyes over the fence and maybe a, a voice actor can play him. That'd be awesome. Or he could be like Kramer and just bust in the front door uh, at once every episode. <laughs> and then everyone in the live studio audience applauds for five seconds. So he can't talk yet. And then he has the funniest dialogue. Well, and do you know, uh, so I can't, do you know that they've actually cast Catherine Hahn to be the nosy neighbor, like a la bewitched in this? Okay. So let me just say this. I can't remember if I've said it on this podcast before. I've certainly put it on my Twitters. I am a stan for Catherine Hahn. I am a season ticket holder for her. She is like darn near Mount Rushmore level fandom for me. I am 100% in that camp. She is going to get my money no matter what, anytime she makes a project. So the fact that she's in this show means I'm going to watch it. And yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter if it's comic book inspired or not. Catherine Hahn's in it. Boom. She's got my time. She's earned it. She is one of the best in the game at what she does and is ridiculously versatile. I could go yeah. on and on and on. But basically what I'm saying is Catherine Hahn is perfection and I'm excited for this component. Sneaky talented and a really good casting in this does not get the credit she deserves. And I'm really excited. So I, I hope that this is equal parts delightful and terrifying. I hope we go into some of the darker, more twisted avenues that Wanda can give us sometimes. You know, in the comics, we've seen her create the House of M universe. She created two children that it turns out were demons. Uh, things well, yeah, she's like, she's like if Hawthorne Heights turned into a comic book character. Like, she's That's there. really well said. And so that's the thing is when you've got a show like that now, granted, it's Disney Plus. So there's only so much like PG-13 stuff they're going to flirt with. But at the same time, they can they can kind of do what the free form and WB shows do, which is allude to the to the tonal grittiness of certain things and make it seem actual without going full hard R. But, yeah, she's she's a character that definitely has I don't know what the word is like darkness and demons hanging around an awful lot just yeah. just has w one of those types of characters so like that's a, a that's a huge breeding ground for just like ongoing tv drama yeah and i i think there's an opportunity to really expand the marvel universe here um there's a lot of rumblings that this may tie in somehow with the upcoming doctor strange in the multiverse of madness um, that maybe Wanda opens up the multiverse somehow. Uh, oh man, I forgot Kat Dennings and Tiana Paris were in this too. Like I literally just rediscovered the same thing as we were talking here. They shelled. Oh, there's our timer. They okay. shelled. They shelled out for the cast, man. Like Emily von Kamp is not great, but she's not cheap either. She's been in everything. But Tiana Paris, if you're not familiar with her, she's in a lot of Spike Lee stuff. She's amazing. And Kat Dennings has got, got chops. And, of course, Catherine Hahn's going to run away with the whole thing because she is our Lord and Savior. So, yeah, WandaVision. It's like I wasn't necessarily excited about um, that show being a thing, but I'm excited about the talent they've accrued. So it's going to get my yeah. attention. Yeah, I'm definitely – I think it's got the most potential to get sneaky good, to really surprise us. Sneaky good. I like it. So – um, we, for the next five minutes, are going to jump right past the uh, Loki font confusion here and go to something <laughs> we're talking about. 
Um, at me if you want, listeners. I don't care. Uh, here we go. Jake, time starts now with as delicate of gloves as we can because we're two white guys. I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the excitement and groundbreaking nature that Ms. Marvel's announcement has brought oh, to man. the arena. This um, is my this is my most exciting project on the list, actually. I, I yeah, like it's it it checks all the boxes, and I don't want to make it sound like it's a formulaic like diversity thing. I say check all the boxes to the concept of like it's going to bring larger than life spectacle if they do the hero right. It is going to bring a great character study of a character that's been fleshed out really well in the comics, but is not yet in the mainstream psyche of John Q TV streamer. And we cannot say it enough. The fact that we are going to get to see a Muslim character lead as their own Marvel superhero in their own named series. That is just such a big deal. Like this is in the same light of what we felt like with, with spider verse and black Panther. Like it's not just representation. It's seeing these characters and the diversity and the heritage that they celebrate in a commanding role where they lead and are the clear protagonists and they're not having to be magical people of color, saving the white people or being in a servant type of situation or a, a setting that takes place much deeper in the past. It is, it is a big deal to see this represented on screen. I hope, I hope I did that as much justice as a white person could say. What, what do you think, Jake? I think Miss Marvel is the best creation of the last 10 years in comic books. Period. Uh, I've, yeah. I love this I character. Take that for data. Yeah. Absolutely. I love this character. I love her world. I love her supporting characters. Um, there's here's the thing. Wally West remains my favorite flash. And I finally figured out why that is when trying to explain it to my wife one time that Wally West she, is cause she, she, did she really, did she really ask you who your favorite flash was or did no, she just walk into the room at the wrong time? A little column A, a little column B. She has this bad habit of asking questions that <laughs> she knows I'm going to run with. I legitimately uh, thought we lost you after the Anakin Skywalker kerflubble. Oh, gosh. I can't go back that way. The timer's going. Um, and so <laughs> Wally is all of us. Wally was this guy who grew up idolizing superheroes and got to become one. Wally was pure wish fulfillment, but in a really good way. Miss Marvel is the same thing. You know, so you've touched on what's really cool about the character in her identity and in the fact that she represents people that are different than, than the traditional comic book heroes. Um, that's amazing. And that's so important. And what's extra awesome about her is that then she is a total superhero nerd. She is a young kid who writes fan fiction and does cosplay and all these things. And then she gets superpowers and gets to live in this world that she has spent her, I mean, you know, she meets superheroes for the first time. She's like, oh, man, I've written some killer fan fiction about you. And she is just awesome and exuberant and joyful to be where she is. Her stories take such a positive spin on youth and on what is good and what is bad about being young and how to run with the good while overcoming the bad. And there's in so many ways, she is what. The she is what Spider-Man often has been in the Marvel Universe, and a lot of people have rightfully so 
called her the new Spider-Man of Marvel Comics. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because that I think that is a huge achievement just in in scope, right? Like when you think about superheroes like The Flash and Spider-Man have been around for a long, long time. And Ms. Marvel has been able just in a vacuum narratively be able to carry on that legacy into a more modern era and add on the component of representation and groundbreaking nature and what that means for droves of people. And so I love the fact that Ms. Marvel has become, at least in this geek arena, she's the every woman, right? She's the one that is like, like you said, Wally West is us. She's the one that says, I love this stuff. And it would be really cool if you got to see a character who loved it and then got to live it out too. And it's it's going to I think this is kind of a perfect project to play in the Marvel Disney playground. Like it's a great show. We're going to get more than just a movie, but it's it's also going to be a perfect blend of this is going to be appealing to young people as well as fans. And I think it's going to ride really well in that identity. Do I hear the timer? Yep, that was a timer. Uh, any any final thoughts on Ms. Marvel? I'm in for it. This is. This is the one I'm most excited for on the whole list. I just hope it doesn't get screwed up, and I don't think it will be. Mm. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Jake, we've got time for more. Pick, pick the next one that you've got takes on. Okay. Um, I, there's two I really want to hit, but I'm going to roll the dice that you're picking the other one, and I want to discuss Hawkeye. Oh, I was not... I was not anticipating you bringing Hawkeye into this. All right, let's do let's do this. Let's go down the Jeremy Renner. He had to cancel his app rabbit hole. Timer starts now. Okay, so what happened there? Am I wasting our time if I ask what happened there? Um, I don't know. I didn't read too much into it. I, from what I could gather from a few Twitter threads is he had an app that was kind of a social media platform and news ping operation for like people that were super fans of his and wanting updates about his stuff and things going on in the Renner world, I guess. And then it didn't last very long. I may have just Weird. butchered okay. that entire story, but that's that's what I got. No, 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 take it nope, or leave that's, it. Nope, I love it. I'll take it. Okay, so I am psyched for this because of overall, there are two reasons. I think this might be something really beautiful and unique in the comic book adaptation world. And that is because several years – wow, it's been almost 10 years ago. It's not several. Um, back in the day – You're getting old, um, man. You're getting old. I guess it wasn't almost 10. It was probably five to seven. Anyway, I think um, I know what back, you're going to bring – I think I know what you're going to bring up because I think you've mentioned it before on our yeah. show, and I'm, su- I'm super excited for you to go nerdy. Okay, I'm done interrupting you until the next time. No, it's okay. Matt Fraction and David uh, – I always get it wrong. Aja, Aja. It's A-J-A, and I'm so sorry – Mr. Aha, um, Aya, maybe, um, they did a, a run of Hawkeye, a solo comic of Hawkeye that is to this day, one of the very best single runs in Marvel comics history. Okay. I'm going big on this one. And I'm saying that in the history of Marvel comics in the history of comic books in general, this is a top 10 run. Um, It's so good, and it explores the life of Hawkeye when he's in between missions for the Avengers. 
and he lives in this dirty apartment in New Jersey, and he ends up protecting his neighbors from these, he calls them the tracksuit Draculas. They're these um, weird Eastern European mobsters that use the word bro too much. Um, the art is... <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> the art is minimalist and beautiful. Um, the interpretation of Clint Barton is character-defining. The There's so much heart and emotion in it. Comedy used just right. Uh, it's so, so good. And here's the thing. This doesn't work in the MCU as we understand it because Hawkeye has instead become a thing where he has this family and all this stuff and him living alone in Jersey doesn't make a lot of sense. However, there's another Hawkeye out there named Kate Bishop who plays really majorly into this storyline. And with some tweaking, this thing could be adapted to make Kate Bishop the lead instead of a supporting, or she's really supporting. She's like the second lead, but it could make her the lead lead in this story and just tweak it a little bit. And you could take, an introduction for a new Hawkeye and adapt one of the greatest comic books ever written. This has potential to really go the distance. So Variety reported this and TV Guide has also touched on it too, saying that the Hawkeye show will focus on Hawkeye training his young protege, Kate Bishop, who takes on the Hawkeye title after he retires. So they're clearly exploring this. I just don't know if they're going to do like Kate Bishop gets trained in season one and then takes over the show moving forward, or if it is a slow burn with a lot of Renner and a lot of Kate Bishop over multiple seasons. I will say this. I have very little emotional connection to Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye. has nothing to do with his talent because he's a good actor. If you saw the movie The Town or if you saw The Hurt Locker, the dude earned both of his Oscar noms. But I'm not wild about watching three or four seasons of – Renner doing his Hawkeye stuff. But if the Kate Bishop thing is real and they handle it well, and they really allow her to grab the spotlight, if not just completely run with it, then I'm all in. But that's a giant if, because I I just don't know how they're going to be breaking this whole thing down. Yeah. So there's, I mean, I think you're exactly right. I'm with you on Renner. I I don't, I don't dislike his his Hawkeye. I don't say this to, to, trash him he just it's not my chosen interpretation of the character he's perfectly talented um and he did a great job with it my chosen interpretation of the character is this one by matt fraction and um it's just it's such a down-to-earth story in such a big bombastic universe and that's not to say that there aren't the occasional super villain or superhero cameos but at the end of the day the story is about Clint getting attached to these lovable losers that he lives next door to. And it's about the drama of him just connecting with people. And gosh, it's just so good. He, he becomes such a bigger character as a result of this. And I can't say enough about how good this could be, especially, you know, and maybe I've got a little bit of a soft spot right now because my daughter, for some reason that none of us are able to figure out loves Hawkeye and whenever she picks anything up with the Avengers on she always goes oh there's Hawkeye and we have no idea why uh we cannot figure it out she's two is all we've got but man I really want her to have a good Hawkeye show so yeah 
and she deserves it. Your daughter deserves the best, nothing but the best. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Rock on. So the timer went off. I think we got time to dish on one more. Okay. Jake, Jake should we do Moon Knight or She-Hulk? I can't, I can't decide. I was hoping you'd pick Moon Knight for your fourth, or for our fourth, but it's yours, so you pick. Let's do Moon Knight. Okay. Timer starts now. So I believe there have been multiple inter- multiple moments on previous episodes of this podcast where we have either fan-casted Daniel Day-Lewis or Donald Glover in this show, <laughs> essentially. Um, <laughs> we're all over the place with this, but, like, I mean, come on. Anybody that's vaguely familiar with Moon Knight, how could you not be excited about this? Like, I—, I it's so cliche to say like, this is the one I'm the most looking forward to out of everything that they've announced. But this is the one I'm the most looking forward to out of all the ones <laughs> they've announced, you know, um, Jake, give me your two cents on the awesomeness that is going to be moon Knight, even though we know virtually nothing about it. If you need a headline for this, it's moon Knight deserves better than to be called Marvel's Batman because there is no Marvel's Batman. Batman deserves better than to have characters compared to him. But the reality is Moon Knight is his own freaking thing. And so Moon Knight is amazing. It's the story about a person with multiple identities in his head, all of them working together to try and be different types of superhero. It's a guy, it talks about PTSD. It talks about religion. It talks about all these different things, war, uh, wealth, inequality. There's all these different social themes running through Moon Knight. There's also just some killer storylines about a tough dude who happens to have, you know, maybe a different psyche than the rest of us. Moon Knight has potential to be amazing. Um, I really want to see them run with Jeff Lemire's recent run on Moon Knight, where he wakes up in an asylum and can't figure out if yes. he was ever. Yes. Did you read oh my that? God. Yes. Can you, can you, I just, can you imagine the, the first episode of a show starting with that? Like that yes. is, that is grade a prestige savagery right there. That like, that's the, that's what we deserve. We, we need that. Now, if they don't, I'm sure the show would be great, but man, it's just yes. like yeah. that one, that one seems so obvious, doesn't it? Well, and it gets all meta when he starts waking up as a producer of a Marvel Studios film. And that's one of his realities or identities is that he's working with Kevin Feige on a Moon Knight film for Marvel Studios. And he's trying to figure out if this is part of his delusion or what's going on. And if they they oh, man, it could be a crazy, trippy thing for the audience to go into that realm and I would love to see them start doing that. Like, what if, what if part of his, one of his episodes is that he wakes up as, I think Mark Spector is the one that's the producer. He wakes up as Mark Spector, and he's producing the Disney Plus show Moon Knight. And maybe he cracks some jokes about we lost <laughs> Spider Man or whatever, you know? Gosh, or he's like, so gosh, yeah, he's like, yeah, sure. I mean. They force you to take ESPN Plus when you didn't ask for it, but you get the Moon Knight show. So whatever, you know, like make some jokes <laughs> about that. And oh gosh, and there's so, so much potential there. I'm still upset that ESPN Plus doesn't bring with it the dodgeball tournament and the Ocho. I mean, why do you even want it if it doesn't have that? But with Moon Knight, yeah. my follow-up question for you 
is there hasn't been a lot of chatter about this, but a little bit in some of the Twitter threads that I've gone that I've gone venturing towards. Are you at all worried about the Disney label for this particular one? A la, it may not be as gritty as some people would hope, or is is that a superfluous worry? I think it's a valid worry. I don't know that I'm worried, but I think I understand the worry. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, fair. Disney has, I mean, you know, we've, we've, we've seen this with Disney's weird rumblings about not loving Jojo Rabbit, but it was already done, so they'll let it come out. Um, I think that Disney and their family-friendly brand is a good thing, but it's also a thing that can stifle creativity. I also think that the right creators can do dark and twisted without getting into R-rated territory. And if you don't believe me, watch frickin' anything Disney did in the 80s and um, see the Dark Crystal or the Black Cauldron. Uh, you know, dark I'm not Crystal. saying Disney... Dark Crystal. Dude, we, I, I've been debating on whether or not we should talk about the Netflix series on this show or not, because it's not comic-inspired, but the Dark Crystal is just so good. I'd be down. You know, I've actually never seen the Dark Crystal, um, but I know that it's hey, pretty dark. Hey. Um I know. Yes, tis dark. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, like, I think that Moon Knight, I'm not saying it should be a Jim Henson thing, but I am saying that there are clearly ways to tell a dark and mature story while still existing within that brand that Disney. So I think it's all going to be about who they get in there for the uh, for the creative team. Are they going to get someone that sees that as a challenge in a good way or someone who sees that as limiting. Yeah. And one thing that I find very encouraging about this whole run about the Disney plus and Marvel studios convergence here is that it is really difficult to capture high quality action sequences, especially when they require a large amount of special effects because the characters that you're doing them with are in weird costumes or are aliens or have weird colored skin, like green and purple, but the deep pockets of Disney go a long, long way. And so I'm super encouraged by the fact that like, I'm really hoping that these shows are prestige in the way that we think of in, in at least in terms of fighting sequences and action sequences and, and adrenaline pumping moments, they're not going to be like 24 seven, always that, but like, I, I think we're in for potentially like game of Thrones level type of uh, budgetary when it comes to capturing s spectacle in some of the key moments. And I'm excited about that. Cause I'm, I don't think it's going to fall short very often because the Disney pockets are, are super deep. And so that said, with Moon Knight specifically, if they really lean into the character development and the multiple identities and, and, the, and the kind of blipping through the mind, as well as really investing in some of the cool, fantastical sequences that Moon Knight could have on the screen, I really think it, it could be one of the crowning achievements that they have out of this little cluster of shows. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% in that. Uh, Moon Knight... I think this is also the right place for it because I think there's no way a Moon Knight movie could have gotten as trippy and weird 
as it needs to be, no matter what. You're absolutely think, right, because they it, they would have had to toe that line of like, okay, we need this to be kind of like Ant Man, like it doesn't need to make a billion dollars, yeah. but it still needs to make five hundred million. And so you got to make it crowd pleasing enough and not quite as trippy as you would maybe want to in order to have enough mass appeal for people to go see it. But with the TV show, it's like you can really stretch stuff out and get nitty gritty and explore some random stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. So yeah, Moon Knight, huge potential. I think this is the right place for it. So far, the tiny bit we know about it, I'm encouraged. Yes, my thoughts exactly. Jake, whew, we flew through a whole bunch of stuff. The big, yeah. takeaway, the big takeaway is surprise, Disney's still creating content, and surprise, people are still excited. But really, <laughs> we, we, we kind of are. So there's a lot to look forward to with this whole Disney Plus thing. And then, of course, they're going to be adding on the 90s uh, car- Marvel cartoon shows and stuff, too, which is really cool. There's just a lot of excitement around this platform that launches in November. Jake, we're going to have a lot of crap to watch. Yeah, I am going to have to clear out my schedule for more research. Yes, research because the job demands it, and the people deserve the best, and we do nothing but bring the best. So Absolutely. There it is, another episode of Watching Comics podcast in the can. Thank you so much for going on this ride with us. We have a lot of extra stuff to be dishing on about in the next coming weeks. There is stuff happening. Um, Be sure to rate and review our podcast on whatever pod platform you listen to us on. It would be a lovely gesture on your heart, and it would also allow other people to find us. And, of course, the most important thing, hit us up on the Twitters because God knows we need more hot takes on the Internet. We are at Watch Comics Pod. That's comics with an X, at Watch Comics Pod. We want to know what you think about the um, eight-pack lineup that Marvel Studios has announced to release on the Disney Plus platform. And of course, as always, to the Geek Dad Podcast Network, we tip our caps. We will be coming back to you next week with some more awesome stuff. We'll see you then. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.